from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. To all my fantasy children, my name is Aaron Catano Sayez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It is a tabletop-inspired, world-building, storytelling, and character creation podcast where each week we take your incredible listener-submitted prompts. And we take those prompts and on the spot create an original fantasy world detail, legend, character, myth, what have you, and use that story to develop an original fantasy universe one episode at a time. And it's been a minute. Aaron, uh, speaking of, can I ask you, can we throw a new question into our into our pregame uh, hype session mix? Of course. Because it's been a minute since we sat down and recorded, and I thought of a question that I want to kind of ask you. Okay. Aaron, what's something dope that you've done since we last sat down to record? Oh, my God. A um, lot, actually. It's been cool. So I moved. Uh, I no longer live in Brooklyn. I now live in Jersey City. So I'm a New Jersey resident once more. It's an upgrade. Now I'm in my office, uh, my booth in my office at the moment. It is a two bedroom, which makes me very happy. And I actually have a washer dryer in unit, which is some baller shit. It's and, so sick. Yeah. It's so sick, though, is the thing. <laughs> it it's, it's makes me very happy. It's, it's incredible. It's such an upgrade from my last apartment. My last apartment was brutal. It was a great apartment, but like, you know, I was in there for seven years and this is a this is a much needed professional upgrade because I've been auditioning for big kid shit lately. And like, it's amazing to have that, like that upgrade and just to like, feel like, yeah, I've got my own dedicated space where I can do the thing. Like I can yes. do the work that I am doing for my career. 100% because I definitely wasn't. Hey, listener, uh, my last apartment was great. You know, it had a big living room, but it was from 1933. So the ceiling was very high. So even when I had the booth, it was in the middle of the room, essentially. So it was still an echo chamber. Um, so this, everything's been going exceedingly well. My apartment. That's awesome. Actually, I'm so yeah, happy about this. I didn't have sunlight in my last apartment. I lived in like a dungeon and now I have a sunlight. I have a view of these big, beautiful trees. I like living in New Jersey, of course. Um, it's fucking awesome. I am happy as a clam. Yeah. I'd love to hear you. This. What's something dope? Something dope that I've done in the last month that I was, um, I'm going to shout out. I put together a charity stream in a week. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't want to do that again next year, but like, I'm happy that we got it done this year. Yeah. I'm glad you, you've been, you've been on the grind of doing the good, good streams and like fundraisers. Uh, like the yeah. carnival happened since we last recorded. Oh yeah. The moon carnival happened. And that was pretty like amazing. That was, uh, I love the moon carnival. This is the second time that moonshot has done this big week long, weekend long stream and like it's really been wonderful i think we technic i think we may have if not exceeded the moon landing last charity stream total from last year if we like we got within spitting distance if we didn't exceed it but i don't remember quite either way um yeah the streams have been great super stream was really fun uh moon landing or moon carnival was a blast and it's just been great to like raise money for good causes while having fun and like doing things our way like that yeah. has just been incredibly like satisfying 
And as someone who I, I didn't participate in the Moon Carnival because I was in moving hell, I got to watch everything. And it's just been awesome getting to know everybody a little mm -hmm. better because we all chat in the Discord and stuff. But it's hard to like get to know people, especially people participate in yeah. varying amounts in the Discord. But the Moon Carnival was awesome to get to like put names to faces, put VTubers to voices. It was fucking dope. I, I was a huge fan of all of this. And it got getting me to watch like getting to see just just like the weird ideas that people had and being like, I want to do this and watching it come to fruition is like yeah. my favorite thing in the world. It was dope. It made me feel good about being on the Moonshot Podcast Network, a place for far out ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to still think of like really dumb jokes about the Moonshot Network that I can slide in every now and again, besides wacky dacky do, let's go to the moon. Wacky dacky um, do, let's go to the moon. Which I is such a cursed thing that I read in a Discord. And I think it was, I think it was like Marn saying like, you know, insert a goofy thing before the ad bit. Like when you talk about moonshot and I read it as wacky dacky dude, let's go to the moon. And Marn was like, no, but yes, keep that forever. And now I, oh, okay, never mind. I'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode when we talk, when we plug moonshot network. Uh, what's got you excited this week? Oh my God. Uh, what's getting me excited this week is I'm getting my dishwasher fixed because the minute I moved in, it was broken. Uh, that comes tomorrow. But um, what's getting me excited this week is I'm hosting my first sleepover this weekend. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yes. Kian and Sean are coming and sleeping over the apartment. And oh, I can't. That's I, wonderful. <laughs> I've never been able to host friends before. So, like, this is going to be... Oh, awesome. Fucking... Well, that's great. Sean and Kian, you're great. Final Fantasy 16 fucking comes out. I just played the demo. And, y'all, if you've been listening to the show, Final Fantasy is my fucking life. I played the demo of 16. That is getting me so fucking jazzed up. I'm playing... This is the first one I've been playing since 13 with English voices because they bring nothing against the English voice actors and all the other Final Fantasies. But I usually start in Japanese and end it, say, do it a second time in English. I'm starting in English. These motherfuckers are slaying this game. And I'm so excited to dive into Final Fantasy 16. That's what's getting me excited this week. Whew, what about you? I, <laughs> like, last no So there's a few things. Um, I'm going to talk about the, the, the largest one, though, because there is something that has consumed my entire brain and probably will for a good long while. Uh, I saw Across the Spider-Verse last night. <laughs> Yo. So the every, way that you are feeling about yes. Final Fantasy 16, like, I am feeling that way about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Like, it has consumed my brain. It's, I am hearing, I have not seen it. Notoriously, if you've been listening to the show, I don't see movies until way later. And I'm excited to watch it in my apartment. But I've heard nothing but the most incredible shit about this movie. Um, I... Jen and I saw it and uh -huh. we sat and after we saw it, we sat and just like, uh, we grabbed a beer. We were at a bar and we just sat in silence for a while. <laughs> like we were both like, let's go. Look, we'll, we'll go. We'll grab a drink. We'll talk about like, we'll talk about the film. And we sat down and both just went, what? Uh, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. What a, <laughs> what, a, what a movie. I don't yeah. even know what to, what to say. Like, God, yeah. like it was, it genuinely left us speechless, and I, God, it just, 
it hits that vibe. It hits that one real specific, like, I want to make stuff vibe. Like, I'm yes. not, I, yes. it, you know, yes. you find something like that and it, and it just delivers a kind of creative motivation that is just unparalleled yeah. in terms of like, you see it and you're just like, I can swing further. I can swing harder. I can clear the fence with like like if they could pull this off then what then i my yeah. possibilities are genuinely limitless it is truly it's consuming media that like pushes the boundaries of like what we honestly thought were like possible with like animation and and, and performance in animation i know that the, the first spider-man movie especially was that as well like these motherfuckers are in there acting mm-hmm. and it's just gorgeous and the music is amazing and the colors and the the frame rate Mm-hmm. Is is like a that unique? What is it? Thirty a second? I think or it's. Something? I think it's thirty. I think it's thirty. But it's FPS. like locked in, and it's like that's part of the art stuff. It come on, that's what like these kind of things push me also to be like I can I can do more or I want to do more in an inspirational way. Yeah, you know, I am inspired to make cooler shit when I see other people making really cool shit. It's amazing. It's the yeah. best thing in the world. I, I it, it keeps me it gets me so jazzed up. Fuck yes. Can I tell you something that's also getting me excited? It's just a yeah. short phrase. Happy Hoagie Fest to all who celebrate. Oh my God. It's Hoagie Fest. The Hoagie Man is here again. So, Y'all at Hoagie Fest. <laughs> I was in South Jersey yesterday and it was amazing and I have lots of South Jersey ideas. And I popped into a Wawa briefly and I heard the person behind the counter handing uh, a shirt to one of the staff and like, oh, don't forget, there's your Hoagie Fest shirt. Make sure you wear it for like the next few weeks. And I was like, fucking hoagie fest has arrived we 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 did it it. y'all and for y'all south uh, reference wawa the famous fast food chain that is very regional uh has a hoagie fest every summer just where their hoagies are (laughs) cheaper it's It's just that they're cheaper it's not it that's it it's (laughs) It's just and their marketing is so weird it's like 1960s hippie psychedelics and it's been that way forever <laughs> as long as i can there was like a three-year period where it was like a beetle sergeant pepper thing yes and it's like i'm looking at the link you sent me that is hoagie fest it's still the guy with the mustache and like the the glasses like very it's still like a beetles thing <laughs> like it's, it's so like you'd swear hoagie fest is about dropping acid <laughs> and eating hoagies which you know if it is for you Happy Hoagie Days. <laughs> Happy Hoagie Fest. Listen, tis the season. Happy Hoagie tis Fest. Tis the season. Now, uh, I'm excited to jump in as it's been a- uh, It's a, been a, a minute. Fort, it's been a fortnight, um, Victory Royale, and I have a prompt for you, Jeff. Yes, I know we're going to play a game, but yep. to build suspense, prompt this week comes from our Discord, from Deer. Prompt, the bonfire. So, um, you pitched this to me and immediately, like, I was reminded of a game that we really just recently played on Party of One. Um, and, like, immediately, like, when I thought about this game and I thought about this game in the context of AMFC, I think it's really interesting. And I think that there's really interesting, like, it's a chance for us to, like, just kind of introduce some unexplained weirdness to the show and, like, kind of, like, poke at a weird thing and get to tell a, a, a heartfelt story at the same time. Fuck yeah. I mean, that's that's what we do here. That's, that's the name of the, the show. Magic. Um, that's the magic, so baby. I have here the game Let the Fire Soothe by Lyra Vega. It is a, a spindle wheel card game uh, interpretation game. A spindle wheel deck is a tarot-like uh, card deck. Um, and it is a game about a traveler sitting by a fire and being greeted by a herther, a being, uh, a demon, a thing, an entity 
that in exchange for taking some memories from the Traveler will ease their mind and, and, and relieve some of their troubles. I was like, this is a cool, evocative, interesting thing. When I saw the phrase, the bonfire, like the game has been on my mind. And so like I was thinking about that and I think it's really interesting to, to, so I'd love to just play a game of this. It's pretty short and quick. And, and, but before we do that, I do want to throw something out. Yeah, please. The phrase, a bonfire. I want to talk about a bonfire. Yes. Because I think that this is like, this, this will, you know, uh, bleed a little bit into the game, but I think is like interesting. A bonfire is traditionally not one person's fire. No, they're, they're, they are by nature, like, well, not by nature, but usually in human history, a gathering place for socialization and storytelling and warmth and safety and comfort, you know. This idea of uh, a bonfire, this happening at a bonfire, right? This, this, this being making itself known to a traveler and like this magical arrangement happening at a bonfire is really interesting and I kind of want to lean on the idea or like even just paint it in the background that the, that this isn't the only interaction that is happening here, right? Like, 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 like setting oh, the scene a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah. like we are at a place where multiple people are at this fire and multiple people are having interactions with this sort of magical presence that is this fire itself that is sort of like uh, uh, working through this. I dig this. And historically, we have a famous bonfire. I don't know if I want to go to that one, the fantasy bonfire of like the Knights of Dragon. No, I think now that I want this to do is a, a different one. Yeah, this is I, and I think that this is like um, so uh, we'll get into this. I think we'll get okay. into this as we draw cards and stuff. But like, cool. I want to uh, just keep in mind that like, yeah, like we are seeing one person talk to this, this being um, of which we will kind of get to know as we talk through. But also, like, there are other people at the fire having these sort – having maybe not this exact interaction, but, like, there are other people around this bonfire and, like, that something about the congregation of that being important to me is in the back of my mind. Cool. So I will uh, read us some text to kind of uh, set us up. Let's do it. After a long day on a road, the traveler sits down by the fire and rests. They fret over the struggles that plague them, and the fire listens. They ache over the difficulty of their work, and the fire leans closer. They sigh over the path ahead, and the fire places a hand on our traveler's leg to steady their nerves. It speaks. If you give me a memory, I can make your struggles melt away. Uh, One of us is going to be playing the traveler, a busy person worn with work and obligations, tasked with a quest that challenges them, and they are the only person capable of completing it. Um, They have been greeted by something in the fire, an unnatural being stirring, curling in the flames. They have made us an offer. Give me a memory and I will make your troubles disappear. We have spoken since then and they they are a past. We are finally taking them up on their offer at this bonfire. As the traveler, you will share as much as you like, but only offer what you are willing to let go. Give our hearther only as much power as you dare to and stay committed to your quest. Our other player is the Herther, a fire demon with a penchant for mischief and a weakness for contracts. They settle into the fireplaces of inns and houses, thriving on bountiful fuel and playing games with people who come and sit by. Um, However, memories are potent fuels for magic for Herthers, powerful godlike magic, and this traveler has made a deal that, that you will solve their problems in exchange for memories that they willingly offer you. So they and so you are going to never take anything that is not offered, never lie, coerce, or trick the traveler, and keep the embers safe. Effectively, 
Um, we are having this interaction where the traveler is expressing their problems, offering up memories, and the fire entity is using sort of magic to address those problems in exchange, taking those memories for purposes unknown. We will find all of this out through the cards. I love this very much. I would love to play the traveler. Okay, great. Um, that answers the question. Exactly. That was the first question I was going to ask. Then yeah. Aaron, um, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to draw some spindle wheel cards for each question that I ask. I'll draw a spindle wheel card. I will read it. A spindle wheel card for reference has some text at the top and bottom, as well as a name and an evocative image. Uh, so the first card I've drawn as an example is sea glass, jagged edges carried in your chest, tumbled smooth by movement or Oh, my love, is it the eye of a sea serpent or some ancient jewel? So there's text at the top, text at the bottom, a name. We'll have that information as kind of an inspiration as we ask ourselves individual questions. So the first question I know that I want to talk through with you is the your full, and we're going to, so for the traveler, we're building your fire. We're going to draw six cards and I'm going to lay them out in front of me in the shape of a campfire. Great. Uh, the first card is your fulcrum. What is the core of your identity? Uh, the card that I've got for you is rusted bicycle. Need more than two hands to pull this free. What a haul. An orange and twisted creature emerges from the mud. Please spare us. Those are your top and bottom text. Aaron, what comes to mind? What comes to mind is the core of this traveler's identity. Can you read the first part of the bicycle again? Yes. Need more than two hands to pull this free. What a haul. Okay. I love the idea that this traveler is in all my fantasy children style demonologist. Like the okay, kind of sure, love the that because war- we're communing with a demon, which I yeah. like. And demonologists historically fight to um, banish demons in other situations. So I feel like this is the traveler using the not like using this demon to solve their other demon problem. You know what I'm saying, and, and 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 part of the way that they that they have that demonologists have historically worked is that they 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 work through like understanding and coming to kind of speak the language of the demon a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. 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 Understanding the demon's impulses and their 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 wants and needs and kind of trying to like com- there's a there's a communal aspect to it that I think is interesting to have at play here. Like I I like the idea of communing demonologists, people who tradition like, you know, it's our play on the fantasy warlock cliche is sometimes perhaps, you know, how it's always you make a pact with a demon yeah. with warlocks. Perhaps there is always a you have a quest to pretty much banish a demon, but you also have partnerships where it's sort of like investigative because we said banishing demons, you have to kind of solve why they're still around. Why, yeah. what, what is their purpose in this world and get rid of them? So perhaps in order to do that, you make deals with other demons in order to gain information slash power. And, and, and even probably with the demon itself, right? Like we had said, I think in the, in the episode with the, the tree in the desert, it was about like speaking to the demon and being like, what do you want? And yeah, coming to understand it. And so, like, there's there's an element there as well, and that ties in with that text of like an orange and twisted creature emerges from the mud. If there is yeah. like, uh, yeah, the idea that this is a demonologist who is like investigating these things is very compelling. Okay, then in this case, this is a demon of fire. This sure. is you said something broken glass was one of the things early on. Yeah. So I get this image of, and you said this this kind of entity can appear in hearths in, in other homes. Yeah. I feel like 
This is the meeting of this demonologist has been tracking this demon that's been appearing in people's homes, maybe causing devastation. This is like a a, a wildfire type demon, like, you know, burns towns, causes havoc. But the demonologist has been able to, it said you reach into the mud and pull it out. What a haul, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that this bonfire was the demonologist managing to kind of trap the demon here in a way, like conjuring into this spot. And then going right. like, all right, and now we're going to broker, we're going to meet. It was like, it was almost like this demon is impossible to catch, but mm -hmm. somehow the demonologist got it to be condensed in this bonfire right here, right now, one o'clock in the morning at my camp. And mm -hmm. so this mm -hmm. is my only opportunity. This is my haul. This is my one chance to kind of figure out what this thing wants and stop it from hurting people. I like that. I really like that. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Um, okay. Next up, I've got you, uh, your flint. What glimmer of hope guides you forward? Uh, this is a fascinating card for that question. What glimmer of hope guides you forward? I have putrefaction. We used to think the stink of the sea would keep death at bay. Busy corpses host many parties and swell up from feeling important. Wow, that's grim. That's um, why, like, what a why, and for the question of, like, what glimmer, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating contrast for the question of, like, this is your hope. This is the thing that is pushing you forward. Is corpses is uh, however you want to however you want to interpret that prompt. Yeah. Hmm. Putrefaction, stink of the sea, keeping death at bay. That is a tough one. Okay, I have I have a big one. I have a big pitch. Go for it. Go for the big and, pitch. And, and if and if this is too big, reel me back in. I right, you know I will. This demonologist was once. I, we've gotten two images of the sea so far. Yeah. Yep, yep. This demonologist was once a seafarer. This okay, was someone sure. who traveled. Oh, hi. This was someone who once traveled on the seas of fantasy, which is a dangerous thing. In, the, in our fantasy world, to travel on a ship, you essentially need like a cliche adventuring party, a bar to charm sea monsters. You need sword and shield, healer. You know, you need that. Yeah. In order to so this was a party member. Demonologist served some purpose. Don't know what. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is someone who's come face to face with death on the sea and mm. fe and feels like they were given a second chance or because they they survived which not many people do most are most are greeted by Duchess Cressida Plumtree yeah. at the end and are their likeness is carved into wood but this demonologist survived maybe they were they have some affinity with water. Maybe they, you know, have communed. Maybe they were maybe they were hunting a water demon on the sea. You know, it couldn't get it done. And mm -hmm. so this is something, or did win, but still shipwrecked, you know, things like that. Is that, does any of that Yeah, work? I actually was, I was going to say, I, and he told me to reel you in. I want to, I want to, I want to cast you out to see a little further. Okay, please do. Because the visual that I get, what if someone shared a drink with the Duchess and then walked away? Oh, baby, like return from death. See, I was thinking, like, I was like, do we have a way to return from death? <laughs> like, ha and, like, maybe they, like, and I almost, maybe, maybe they don't even know. But, like, that idea of you were lost at sea. You wash up, uh, you wash up at a bar. This, this, this person, this entity is playing a song on an organ. You are watching sailors all around you. The text on the card is, like, busy corpses host many parties and swell up from feeling important. Oh, my you God, are watching perfect the bodies of these sailors like go and march and walked and sang and party and eventually go off to the ley lines where they will rest eternal. And then the Duchess looks at you and she says, 
you shouldn't be here. Okay. Go, like, go, and then suddenly you wash up on, like, another shore perfectly fine. But you had this moment where you were in this other, the, 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 the afterlife that awaits for sailors. You were there, and you were turned away, but you shared a drink and a toast with the being that greets sailors, and were told that it was not your time yet. Can I give you a reason why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a long time, there have been sea monsters in fantasy. The ocean is full of them. It's a dangerous place, uh, unfortunately, killing many a seafarer. And when they die, they enter the bar of the great deity, the Duchess Cressida Plumtree. She greets them with song and drink, a place to rest, carves their likeness into a ship in a bottle, sets it on a shelf, and the sailors enter the afterlife. But also... Something otherworldly has been plaguing the seas and even affecting the natural order of Duchess Cressida Plumtree's kind of death ritual of accepting Mm -hmm. souls. And that is an elemental demon. Mm -hmm. It's kind of been affecting even Duchess Cressida Plumtree. So I feel like as this demonologist enters her bar, sits down, all of the crew that this person was just hanging with, they're all celebrating and toasting. And when they reach for a drink, Duchess Cressida Plumtree places her hand upon mine and says, no, not yet. I still have use of you. And it's pretty much you've been tasked with essentially the goddess of death. You were given a second chance so that you can figure out the solution to this elemental demon. You were saved, spared from death in order to get this done. And so it is that knowledge that, like, it is that knowledge that you are almost protected by this other eldritch yes. being. Yes. Uh, Aaron, you... I'm going to push that even further because I just drew the next card, which is your trial, which is your quest. Oh. Uh, I drew second sun, uh, S-O-N, a moon out of orbit starved of companionship seeking completion or stricken from history, unseen in mirrors, unreflected in lakes. Aaron, is this... Can I throw out a phrase that uh, has buried itself, that immediately upon seeing that card has buried itself in my brain? Please. Is this a moon demon? Is this a demon that has, like, we we have, because we talked about the Duelist Moon, like, recently in the ARG, we kind of brought it up. Is this a demon that has, like, that that is not, that is uh, specifically, like, you mentioned elemental demon, like, knocking things out of, out of, out of orbit. Is this something that has shifted the orbits of the many, many moons of fantasy, causing the very arcane orders of the world? Like, oh, is, is this a being okay. of such immense power that, like, the, that, like, the duelist moon does not appear in the sky and the magical moons of fantasy are, are out of sync and... Oh god, what was what was the name of the thing that we literally just made up? <laughs> what the the planet that's on the city on the moon? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't remember. Oh, you mean uh mir- mirrored ember. The beaming light of mirrored ember like is not shining on that prism anymore. Um all of these things are not the magical forces uh the magical forces that like um connect and bind the world and feed the magic of the ley lines through all things are out of whack because there is just an otherworldly presence that is so strong and and overwhelming and almost tidal in their presence that it is it has disrupted the magical gravitational flow of the cosmos yeah what you're describing is if you say it's something that we of course throw around in fantasy it's like an elemental being mm-hmm. there's a lot that has to do with that so this is i feel like a a demon 
that can affect uh, elements, meaning mm-hmm. like star matter, like the very yeah. ex- the, the the things that make up the very elements, like a periodic fucking table. So what I'm going to pitch to you, if that is the case, can this is this a demon of almost like transmutation? Yes, like that's because you said it affects like it can affect the tides, it can affect the stars, it can affect the moon. This is something that can get into the very like elemental atomic level of things if we want to break it down. Yeah. And like in you in through magic though, adding in magic fucks with that. It creates a very weird thing of like, why did that why was it a wildfire demon? And I feel like that's part of the mystery of tracking this thing down was like everyone was convinced that there for years was not only sea monsters, but a demon of water. This, you know, horrifying Leviathan beast would come and tear. When in reality, these people were being lost because maybe, you know, the the water itself as you were on your ship sailing would turn to sand or return to glass and shatter and you yeah. would fall into this void. The The hearth that you were heating up the, the the flame that you lit in your stove using magic, it got in there, it affected that, and it turned into a enormous blue in, it, heat, a thousand degrees Fahrenheit, <laughs> igniting your whole house and then your village. And then when it started to rain, when people used rain magic to ca- call it down, all of a sudden it was raining stones. And it's just this asshole entity that is like what I'm getting though, because every demon has a, a purpose. This is this an asshole, or is it like what is it? What do we know that it wants? Do we want to find I, out that through the game? I think we're gonna find that out through the game. I think okay. that because I think that like where we are right now is that like it is change, right? Like right, like like it is it is an like it is a an elemental of change. Yeah, and it is it is changing things on a cosmic scale. And, you know, I, and I think this gets at like what we have talked about with demonology before, where it is, it is less about like, I'm going to go kill this motherfucker and more about like, this is an entity of like immense magical power. We need to understand what it is. Yes. Like it's a matter, it's a matter of like, of like, what is it? What is this thing? And what is it looking for? So that we can kind of make it be part of the world again. So what I'm thinking is, uh, to start this, what happened was after all that discussion. So Mm -hmm. let me say that again. So what I'm getting from that is when this demonologist died or almost died or did die, I feel like they killed the water demon. They Mm -hmm. killed it. This crew killed it. But then, you know, afterward, you know, their boat was just falling apart and they were swept underneath the waves. Like it almost like a natural occurrence, like nothing supernatural about it. They were celebrating. They were divvying up their XP, but their ship was so badly damaged that they all fell to their doom into the briny deep and were maybe like eaten by a giant seahorse. I don't know. The point is this demonologist did not know that they were dealing with a demon. They thought this was maybe... This was not the demon. Maybe it took a unique form, but it was killed. And as we know in fantasy, if you JRPG boss attack, you know, use your magic against it and use violence, the demon's just going to come back. And I feel like that was the moment where Duchess Crescent of Plum Tree was like, that was not a monster you fought. That was a great elemental demon of change, of metamorphosis, of of rearrangement of of change pretty much and then got sent you know the the story of they got sent back to kind of solve it but i just wanted to say that that like 
that's why there was kind of this confusion of like, why the fuck am I dead? Why am I getting sent back? It's like, because you didn't do anything. You didn't yeah. win. You know, don't divvy up your XP too quickly because your ass got clapped. You just didn't know it yet. And now go chase it down because it's not a water demon. It's an anything demon. It's like an everything demon. I keep drawing these cards just to be like, I wonder what the next card is. And then I look at the question and these games that we play with our friends are a kind of magic. Aaron, because the next question is what trouble haunts you from your past? And the card is Survivor, Shipwrecked Sailor. What? Are you serious? <laughs> Mountain Roamer, Shiv Maker, Snake Eater, Scar Crossed in Body and Mind, Wounded and Raw Hearted. Yeah, this is a person that came back from the dead after after being in a shipwreck. And that's gonna fuck you up. That's heavy. That's heavy stuff. Like, this is a person who, you know, demonologists, I'm sure, we've never talked about, like, attacks and abilities, like, what everyone can do. This, I feel like, is someone who faced an epic, like, went out to sea to possibly solve this demon problem. You know, was faced, what form did it take when they first fought it? This demonologist and their adventuring party. Um, it took the form of... Because it had to be a thing. Like, maybe they thought it was a monster. Maybe they thought it was, you know, the demon itself, and they just chose violence. It took the form of a seahorse. You mentioned a seahorse. I think that's great. You took the form of a seahorse and a typhoon. Okay, cool. So this typhoon is raging. You know, everyone is shielding their face while at the same time casting lightning bolts. They're, the you know, the warrior and the channeler. They're all fighting. Everybody's brawling. The bard is calming the seas, doing their best. And maybe the demonologist is the one who struck the final blow using what? Just for fun. What are they? What is like their what is their weapon or attack of choice? What's their brand? Just for funsies. Net magic. Net. Net magic. Like a like a net. Yes. Like a fishing net. Yes. Containment magic um, or a literal net. A literal well, a literal net that has mad that like imbues, oh, okay. runs magic through it. So, so sort of like the lasso of truth, if it were kind a of net. a lasso, but you pull it, and maybe you can like electrify the net. Maybe you can send a thing to another dimension. You can, you know, net something and like bind it to a place in time where you can have like a communing with it. Like there are things that can okay. be done by like like there like it is a magic that is imbued upon the thing that is caught within the net. I like this a lot, and I and I feel like. This can apply to many things like the fishing nets that are kind of like a cluster of balls and you throw mm -hmm. and they weigh down that certain area. Yeah. Or even like, you know, the Batman capsules that go pop and then they entrap you. This can actually be applied to a lot of things. And I like the idea that this was a seafarer. This was someone on a vessel, perhaps like it was a fishing trawler. And that was the net that they were trying to use to catch the demon. But then this sea monster came up, which they did not know was the demon, and they battled it old school style. And like you said, throw the net over it, electrified the seahorse, dead. But then the typhoon is what swallowed them up. Perhaps, Jeff, and I, this is my big perhaps, the seahorse was just an average sea monster. The typhoon itself was the That's demon. That's cool. That's cool. So they thought, let me paint a picture for you if I will, if I can. Mm -hmm. The crew is out at sea. They're they're on their vessel known as the as the White Dot was their ship. Mm -hmm. And they're sailing out into the seas in everyone there has their own reasons for being there. Some yeah. people are like, you know, I'm I'm just traveling through and I'll help you keep safe as I make my way to Geode. Some people are there like because they want to see the sea monsters and challenge them perhaps. The demonologist is there, they sign on 
to this like, you know, traveling boat, this it's basically a ferry that they're on the white dot to get from one place to another. The demonologist is like, I'm here to do what I do. It's to solve the problem of I know that there's a demon out on the water. It's been there for many years and I'm going to solve it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my duty as a demonologist. So when they go out, the seahorse rises from the water. You have to do something about it. You can't just let it smash you. And as they're fighting, the typhoon is raging so unnaturally that in the middle of combat, like even as the demonologist throws their net and it wraps around the seahorse containing it and they do their thing and bring the sea monster down, it's almost too late that they get this ping in their chest. And it's like, oh my God, it's the typhoon. And then it's too late. Mm-hmm. The, the white mm-hmm. dot is ripped to shreds and they're pulled into a vortex. Yeah. Dang. And that's, yeah, so they're fucked up. They are, they have some trauma about this because that's a rough, it's a rough situation. You know, I imagine they were out on this boat with their, with these companions for like a while before that happened. So they, they have some, they have some shit they're going through. They have some survivor's guilt. Uh, they also have trouble that plagues them in their work, which is their toil. Um, and I have a pitch for you. Please. Because I have drawn the card Bandit. Uh, gold-hearted thief, lover of justice, defiler of law, or highwayman, robber baron, wealth taken by fear and force. Okay. What are you thinking? I'm thinking, I want to talk about like how we've positioned, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit, talk about like how we've positioned demons in their place in the world and also tie it into another thing we introduced elsewhere in the show. Okay. We talk about demons as these like big cosmic level forces, right? They are intrusions from this uh, conflict between the forces that created the world. Yep. They are they are forces. They are chaotic and destructive. And demonologists work to basically um, like examine a natural disaster that is consuming things and people, and work to place it in a context of the world and like solve it. Yes. Elsewhere in fantasy, unrelated to this, we introduce the idea of the nightmare space. Ooh, baby. And uh, some wizards that are in the nightmare space. And we introduce the idea that there is this hugely magical presence, a space, a space within a space within the world, right? Like a hidden space of nightmares. It's sort of like a pocket dimension of shadow. And there were people that saw that and went, I'm going to exploit that for my own gain. Correct. Who's to say that there aren't people doing that with demons? So I, I like this a lot. The idea that like, cause like the idea also that like there are demons that are, that are sapient and conscious and malicious, but there are also demons. And I think this feels like a case where it is simply, it is a living like weather pattern for lack of a better way to put it. It is change. It is metamorphosis. It is something that is so colossal that its presence has disrupted the world. And this bonfire is not a bonfire of friends. Go on. What if this is a collect? What if the what if the reason that our demonologist has been able to be like we're going to commune here and we're going to settle this is because this is a bon- is because they weren't the only person that offered that deal to that demon at that time, and there are a bunch of people who are like, well, if there's metamorphosis, well then they can turn all of my stones to gold, and I can be the richest man in fantasy. Like they're like a bunch of people are like, I have have learned of this, this magical presence, right? This thing that is change incarnate and they are robber barons. There is a group of people who have gathered here to be like, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to cash in. And it's like, there's the one person here who's like, this is going to cause unimaginable harm if it is not mitigated. And if there, and if we do not find a way to make this like a peaceful thing that exists in the harmony of the world. 
I fuck with this so hard. Can I give you a big lore dump as to why? Which yeah. is, which by the way, listener, it's something I've avoided lately of like being like, and by the way, but I'm leaning into the fact that this show is we've to got create a world. And we should lean yeah. into it. And we've got, uh, we've got to keep building this world. I think it's so good. So we established in the major Arcana episode that there are basically evil super people that they're yes. very strong and they they all match the major uh, arcana of the tarot and they basically serve arcana dim days like shitty whims these people who are doing things like getting gold you know turning their rocks into gold using demons power these jeff are the minor arcana these mm-hmm. are like these are small fry people using essentially the power of order uh demon power for their own gain, not like, you know, the major arcana want to like veil the world in fucking shadow and like destroy, you know, the ley lines and make it an order planet. Basically, these are the minor arcana. Anyone who cares to do this, who like makes a deal like our traditional warlock, you make a deal with a demon and it grants you power. If you do that, you are you give up a chunk of yourself. You are a minor arcana now. And I don't think there's a way to come back. You're bad. You did a deed that is because you're what we're describing is you said it's a force that disrupts and blah, blah, blah. What we're saying, though, is that to use order magic, to use demon power and this this elemental being that's causing all this stuff, it's unnatural. I think of it almost like an invasive plant. Mm-hmm. But like it, it does not belong in this plane of reality. All it's going to do is cause carnage and fuck shit up and ruin things for the. For the beings that were first placed here, you know, if you were to place a certain plant in a certain garden bed, like mint will devour if it's left unchecked. It will kill everything in its place. That's essentially what demonologists hope to do. It's like, all I want to do is return that mint plant, this weed, this elemental being. All I want to do is return it to the cosmic plane, not the material plane. I want it to banish it from here so that it can thrive and can do whatever the fuck it wants. It cannot be here or it will disrupt the natural balance of this plane of existence and destroy everything. Minor arcana are people who are like, I don't give a fuck. I can get money. Like, and I uh-huh. love the idea of minor arcana, the cups and pentacles and wands. It's like, if you are someone who uses it for magical power and gain, you're just a little wand. If you're our, you know, cups is someone, I think it's emotions or something. If you use demon power to manipulate people. I like this idea that uh, I think pentacles is money. Um, so I feel like this person you're describing who turns like, I'm going to use demon power to turn rocks into gold. It's like, it, if you answer that, you hear that whisper and you answer back. Like Arcana Dimday did in the episode, he said that he heard whispers from beyond and called out and was granted like sorcerer power. You can get it in small drips and become a huge asshole by doing tiny little things. Mm-hmm. So our, is it our demonologist is surrounded at this bonfire with little minor Arcana also looking to borrow some power or gain something? Yeah, they are looking to gain something from this elemental being. Uh! And it is like a, if I don't settle this, if we don't, if we don't bring this being to peace and bring it back to its home and allow it to thrive, a lot of people are going to get hurt and a lot of people are going to be exploited. What kind of ways are you thinking that like the the bad people, the minor arcana are wanting to exploit this demon? Well, actually, Aaron, there's the the final question is what trouble do you fear lies ahead of you? This game is very good. (laughs) So uh, your card here is plastic bag, heavy with muck, tattered, and yet you once held food with great dignity or just another choking hazard scooped into a bigger bag. Wait, what was the first one? I'm sorry. These are so well written that I'm like listening intently. Heavy with muck, tattered, and yet you once held food with great dignity. 
What do you think this means? This is I hard. Have a, I have a pretty clear idea, actually. Hit me. Because, like, we're talking about this being, right? And this is, I think, a case where this does not, like, everything we're saying about this elemental being does not feel like a malicious demonic presence, right? No, this does so not we, feel like yeah. Sarath the Carrion King. Yeah, this is, we said before, like, some are, some are not. And this is a, this is, we, this is the, the phrase, a metamorphosis elemental, a change elemental. That is not inherently something that is, I think, malicious. Change is a beautiful thing. Change is part of what makes the cosmos and the material plane beautiful places. Change is a natural course of things. And so, much like a plastic bag that once held food, like change is beautiful, but change can also be ruinous. You know, if 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 manipulated, if pushed in a harmful direction, if oh, okay, exploited, change is farmlands rotting because real estate needs to be made more valuable. Yeah, like competitors, like destroying a competitor's food stores. So yeah. that yours can thrive. Like, there's a million... So what I'm getting from this... Can I name this uh, metamorphosis demon? Yeah. Its nickname, colloquially, within, like, the minor arcana circle is the philosopher, because I don't want to say philosopher stone, but it's mm-hmm. the idea that this is an alchemical kind of, like... It, it, it basically does alchemy. Yeah. And, can, and people think that if you could control and exploit and make a deal and get even a fraction of that power to wield... Oh my God! Because Jeff, how do? What do you think about this? Say I'm a. I want to use a power of a demon, right? And I borrow its power. Is every one of like the major arcana bad people? Are they wielding the power of one really strong demon? And they gave up a lot of themselves to do it. Mmm, I like that. Yeah, like everyone is tied to something. Like I, uh, like the the hermit I described in like the Celeste Silverna thing has like this lantern with this glow. Never decided what it did, but like that's because that demon was one of I don't know, blinding light, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. Is it? I it's that kind of tied to thing. So this is someone. Is this sort of a minor arcana looking to step their game up and become stronger than they are? I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Because it's it makes me think of, honestly, catching Pokemon or something like that. Like, if I could just get a legendary, I could compete in the, in the Indigo League, except at an evil level. Like, if I could just wield the power of the Philosopher, maybe they'd accept me in the Greater Arcana, and then I could change things. I could metamorphosize my, my very being into, like, a Gundam. You know, then I could crush cities and rule, like, you know, that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that gives us all of our answers around our traveler. We'll think of a name and pronouns shortly. But uh, now we get to know our Herther. Our, uh, I've got four cards here in front of me. Um, our first question is the Ember. What goal, grand, or petty do you need power to achieve? And I've drawn the spinster, an affable hermit, a professor lost in thought, a recluse obscured by obligation, rootless and efficient. I think like the phrase that the, the 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 philosopher is so compelling, especially paired with a professor lost in thought. That really ties nicely with this idea that this is that that this feels like it is change almost for change's sake. Yeah, it is simply like you know the this the 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 goal here is the philosopher is an apt name. I aspire to understanding. I aspire. It is, it is, it is the question. What happens when the rain is rocks? Mm, what happens mm. if I unravel the seas? 
Yeah, it's almost like, like a scientist, like just experimenting and fiddling. Asking and, questions and seeing what the answer is. And it, it, it kind of ties into it being like a malevolent force too, because the cost at times is like experimenting oh, yeah. with like lives. Like if I unravel the sea, where will the sailors go? Right. I think it's just, it's questions for questions sake. And sometimes those are questions that have disastrous consequences. And so the challenge of understanding how to engage with that is is sort of the big thing. Yeah, how to engage with a huge asshole who's... I'm just asking the hard-hitting questions, man. <laughs> uh, Mike Lowe, what shape do you and your magic take? I draw an old station, first light in the morning, sipping water with the porch lights on. The beauty of unbroken patterns. Close your eyes and guess. Wow. Unbroken patterns. Yeah, that calls this, to me a lot. Yeah, that that is the phrase that stands out to me. It is... You see the magic of we've talked about change and we've talked about big changes. What if the rain was rocks? And I think the thing that, that it's almost a, a a matrix deja vu thing of like you see patterns in places, right? Like shapes yeah. start to repeat themselves when you when when the okay. change is undergoing and you kind of see those sort of like fractal patterns appearing and then suddenly the rain is rocks. And it it gives me this really strong image of tracking weather patterns where like oh no i feel the like you know you can smell the rain or you can feel it in like the the pressure in your forehead things like that this is like wait a minute i saw that cart just go by a second ago no one was driving it that rock just like almost did a little dance as if the earth was shaking because i feel like it's the philosopher kind of testing 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 seeing if i like something and then mm -hmm. settling on one grand act yeah like when they were out on the sea that day, it would be like usually, you know, the wind was blowing from the north and it seemed to be coming from beneath and above them, crushing them with this wind pressure. Like things feel wrong. You mm -hmm. see things that normally aren't there. And it's almost like what I like, too, is it's almost adding to this mythology, too, of uh, like mirages. And people would say mm -hmm. like in fantasy, you know, before the big storm hit. I swear I I swear I heard a voice muttering on the wind or like the water seemed to hum with this this pondering chatter. I swear the rocks were the rocks looked like food for a split second and then the storm came and that was the philosopher like deciding what do I want to fiddle with? What will yeah. I change? And then whoom tornado out of you know, turning a rock into a storm, things like That's that. That's so cool. Um, so my flicker is the next question. What fear makes you burn low? And I've drawn snake oil, a stopgap, a placebo, a sweet tasting poison, a simple solution to a complicated problem, easy in theory, difficult in practice. I kind of like the idea that maybe part of this communion and maybe the reason why the philosopher has agreed to like talk to our demonologist and like have this actual conversation. What if this is all nothing? What do you mean? What if like, I'm thinking about the word placebo has stood out to me. Like what if like, imagine this entity that like has, that has examined the world and is, is flipping switches carelessly. What happens when that entity thinks the question, am I actually achieving anything or is this all for naught? Oh, like, do they, what What emotional state do they enter? Do they get frustrated? Do they get dissatisfied? I think that that's, and I think that they are, they are undergoing the, you know, this existential crisis of like, ah, is any of this anything? 
and there's a person who has offered to understand them is like, I'll talk to you about it. I like this idea because it, it goes with this philosopher, this professor who's like, ooh, I unraveled the rain. It caused death and destruction. Like they're seeing that every action they take in fantasy is just leading to death and destruction. And then it's like, well, what's the point? I'm not learning anything. I'm not, the, these questions that I'm asking keep having the same answer. They're, they're just unweaving and unraveling and destroying and destroying and destroying. And I feel like that's what led to this bonfire is someone being like, maybe that's how the demonologist lured them in was like, I offer you an answer to your questions. Yeah. I offer you a solution to your questions, even if they didn't have one. Right, right, right. You know, and after, you know, we can flash to like, you know, years of researching this being, you know, our demonologist hunts and searches and solves this problem. And they realize to trap it, it's simply to sit down and offer a conversation for those willing to listen or to those to a, to a being willing to listen and praying that it works. That the that the because I don't know if it's like trapped in this bonfire or if it's a willing participant of I like, think it's a willing participant. I think that that's more compelling to me, especially with the cards that we've drawn of like we have made this arrangement. Yeah. Um, and like unbeknown and maybe uh, whether known or unbeknownst to our demonologists, like others have made the same. I think known to them because it's in their fire is like others like they're like, well, I'm converging with some other travelers at this moment at this bonfire. Join me here and we'll talk freely. And I feel like a lot of it is a cool thing is because you said there are other people around the bonfire. That is how the demonologist tracked this thing down mm -hmm. is they spent months following these minor arcana, seeing their patterns, seeing who they whispered to, who they spoke of in their in their, you know, underground seedy underbelly clubs and restaurants and bars like what the people are talking about did detective work. And then I feel like. The, the, the philosopher shows up at this bonfire to meet with all of these minor arcana who all say that they have an answer to their, its questions. But what the, bon, what the philosopher doesn't know is that one of the people around the fire is a demonologist and is looking yeah. to banish it. So it's kind of like playing the bluffing game. Perhaps this, this demonologist is pretending to be a minor arcana in order to be invited to the circle. Maybe they found out about this meeting of like, we have brokered a deal with the philosopher. We gather under the full moon, you know, at this region, at this time, a bonfire will be lit and that will be the sign for the philosopher to greet us. It's said that, you know, when the branches, when the branches look like feathers, that's when it will be near and to welcome it into the fire. And that's when the demonologist is like, all right, perfect. I'm going to go and that's going to be my one chance to banish this fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Does that work? Because I like the idea of, I think you had mentioned in the soul tree, it's like a bit of a detective because yeah. you're solving yeah, yeah. the mystery of why the fuck is this thing still around? Yeah. Cool. My final question is what makes you burn brightest? And I have drawn old man's restaurant, a dozen perfect basil leaves sprouting from the warm soil waiting to be packed in hand or eating mouthful spoonful, a splattering of lemon drops and a lingering aftertaste. I like this idea of a dozen perfect basil leaves. And I think it's the idea that, like, we've described a lot of these, like, changes as destructive, as chaotic. Maybe they're not always. Oh. Maybe like it is truly, like, you know, these are changes for change's sake. And what makes the philosopher burn brightest is when they can look out at a change and see that they have 
till, you know, they're like, what if I replace this one element in the soil? And they look and like in an instant, you know, an entire field of basil leaves all perfectly, all perfectly sprouted. And it's like, huh, I quite like that. I enjoy this very much, Jeff. We have said that the world of demons is one of order energy and the one of fantasy is one of chaos and fantasy is magic and unpredictability and randomness similar to our own you know how we exist due to a base of like random scientific events that like led to life mm-hmm. you know that's very fantasy if you add it in the sparkle of magic order would be if this is a being of order this is someone who's looking at a world of chaos and going the sea would be much more efficient if it were made of stone it would not move as much like boom you know devastation Mm -hmm. it's seeing the i put in air quotes flaws of a world of chaos and unpredictability and trying to kind of order put constraints on put in a box put in a cage a net kind of this world and kind of control it and say like i see this i see a better version of these things i i am looking for perfect symmetry in a world where there is none i will exert my force on it in order to see those perfect basil leaves in order to see this perfect symmetry like you said it's broken patterns Mm -hmm. i feel like to even look at this thing it's trying to exert a force so it can have one constant form but because it's taking shape in a world of chaos energy it can't so Mm -hmm. It's very physical being is like almost s- magic static where it's a face, a, ze- a zebra, a brick, a book. It like it you see it trying to materialize into our world. That's what the chaos is before the storm. It's mm-hmm. it trying to take form. And then in its frustration is like, I'll simply exert my force. Boom. Storm, chaos, lava. But it's in a world of randomness and beauty and wonder and unpredictability This is a being saying, I know better, and I wish to see symmetry. I wish to see perfect balance. I wish to see their view of harmony, and they exert it on a world like this, and it does not fucking work. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, with all of that, I realize this episode's going to run a little bit long. That's okay. I don't give a fuck. It's been a while. We can can give a little extra long. This one's a a treat. This is a banger. This is a banger. Um, I'd rather not wrap it up and have a strong story then some shows are like two hours long we're fine so we've got this now we're going to play through three scenes please and these are the scenes these are the exchanges between our demon and our demonologist um the way this works is um we are going to describe a detail of where we have made camp of where we are in as much or as little detail i like the fact that this is all playing out over the same scene we can introduce new details as to what has changed over the course of the evening then we will, um, I, as the Hertha, will describe how I appear to the Traveler and describe some some questions about surroundings and of your day. I will then draw a card, describe something happening around the Traveler, and try to jog your memory, and then you will describe, we'll say it step by step, but this is the, the high level version, then you will describe a memory of what, what that spark brings to mind. And we will, uh, if you offer that memory to the hearther, then you will uh, address one of your three ashes. Those are your, 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 the thing that is bothering you from your past, your present, or your future. Cool. All right. So talk to me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about like where we are, like where this, 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 con- this communion is happening. We are in a forest outside of the cute town of Emerald Ivy where the luscious green grows a peaceful place, the perfect place for a group of 
minor arcana demon worshippers, essentially, to meet and ask for power from a demon. It's about two o'clock in the morning. Me, the demonologist, have walked. I'm the last one to arrive. As I walk over to this tiny flicker in the forest, I see illuminated about six faces in the light, smiling from ear to ear. And as I grow closer, their eyes turn to me collectively, and with a smile they wave, because they know that I too am a minor arcana, or they think, because who else would know of this secret meeting mm -hmm. in the forest tonight? And I sit down at the fire, and each one, in not in unison, one at a time, greets me with a gentle nod of acceptance and a warm fire as they almost sit like they're getting ready for a movie to start. They hands folded in their lap, they sit and gaze into the fire, waiting for something to start. You look around and you see on the trees around you feathers where there should be leaves. The, 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 the change has occurred. The metamorphosis has struck. And almost immediately the fire, this bonfire, this large roaring flame around which this entire group has gathered, changes color and turns into... You feel the heat of the fire on your face, and it is, uh, suddenly it is icy cold. It is, it is, it is cold fire. Love that. It, it changes, it turns in, it turns bright blue and sort of like neon blue into white, and it is icy cold. It is, it is, it is a, it is, it is almost a blast of like dry ice fumes, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. And it is blowing on your face, and I've drawn a card. Okay. Okay, I know exactly what this is. Okay, the card I've drawn is bad blood. To drink from the same poison cup as your enemy. Vitriol swallowed back by shame. A trap's jaws rusted shut. There is a cacophony. What is occurring to you, the thing that is occurring around you is there is a cacophony. The second that that, that fire changes form, every single person around this fire starts shouting, screaming, all straight at the like... Here's my idea. What if all these rocks turn to gold? What if what if my enemy's fields turned fallow and muck-like and they are just hurling loud, 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 screaming, 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 all just one cacophonous pitch session. That is that is the thing that is around you. Damn. As this is happening, the fire, uh, this icy flame leans closer to you, like, like part of it, like a ball of this fire leans closer to you and says, you do not join in the screaming of those around you. What is it that you have to say? So answer me, what, what memory does this bring to mind? It brings to me uh, a memory that I have before we set out on our journey on the sea, where... I was at the docks of Purethra Guild, perhaps, about to go out, and that's kind of where you put up your, like, looking for group flag, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term, in an MMO. And the leader of that party, the bard, came up to me and was like, are you looking for a traveling group? You know, what is it you're seeking today? And it happens in, like, an instant where I almost see their face in the fire, and it causes me to choke on this cold air staring back into this flame. But that is the memory that immediately rockets into my mind of hearing seagulls and clanging bells and hearing ships moving out of the water, hearing the calls for cargo, hearing the calls for, I'm a channeler here, channeler looking for work, like people offering their services and seeing the faces of everyone with their rucksacks thrown over their shoulder 
who would eventually be swallowed up by that typhoon. Do I offer it up? Do I give it do to you the offer, fire? Decide whether or not you are offering this memory to your her, to the hearther. That's tough. That is tough. And I, ha- how would I? Do I know I have to offer that? Is it like tugging at that memory as if to take it? You feel. I like that. You feel that. You feel it tugging. And I think that, like in the way that this cre- that this uh, creature, the philosopher, communicates, it. At- I, I think that I like the idea that this uh, that the philosopher communicates through questions specifically. I dig it. And so it says, if one could make your struggles melt away, would you hand over the memory that rests in your heart at this moment? Can I also add to that what you just said? Yeah. The philosopher says, the philosopher, as I'm seeing this memory, it's almost playing out like a movie. It's the philosopher making me see it. And I see a flame in this memory, almost like it was, you know, there the whole time and saying... If I take this from you, what would you become? What would you change into if I take this part of you? Mm-hmm. That's what it's curious about. It's yeah. like, I've been changing so much, so many things. Who will you become? Would you like to find out? And it's this idea of what would I change into if I forgot basically who I am and why I'm on this journey? Yeah. Or you forgot this, this moment of like what part of what brought you here? Um, jeez. I feel like this character that we've been building is dedicated, is given after the events of the Duchess and the, uh, mm-hmm. the events of the sea, has been given this opportunity to literally live again in order to help other people. They're giving it up. Okay. Everything, everything must go. Going okay. for broke. Um, then I, I have a suggestion for the next piece. Okay. Um, you offer this memory. You can choose which struggle, your strain, your toil, or your fret you wish to have soothed. Do you want to have your your strain, your survivor card soothed, your toil, your bandit card soothed, or your fret, the plastic bag soothed? As the philosopher takes this memory, and I can almost see like a finger swirling, like a, almost like a, a photograph, a finger swirling a photograph circling around it. They say, would you like me to make it feel better? And I know of what the philosopher speaks. It's that Mm -hmm. guilt, that crushing weight of seeing their faces and knowing, you know, that I have, I'm I'm sure that if you're a constant seafarer, you have a wooden carving of your own of the vessel and the people on it. And it's, I gotta, I want to sue the survivor card. Okay. I take that card. It is consumed. And I, I describe a miracle. I miraculously solve our traveler's struggle. I think that it, you sit for a moment and you feel you are you, you you feel as though you are seeing the world in a dream. Your consciousness expands and a question seeps into your mind. What if the forces that took a life at sea were given the choice of whether those lives were sent to the Duchess or not. And you feel the cosmos shift around you as you feel something change in the air, a sense of magic. Like the you feel the laws of magic and death and the sea start to like pull and unravel a little bit. And two things happen. You you become aware of two realities at once. One soothing your troubles and one one adding a new level of terror to the world. 
the Duchess's arrangement is a magical concept, is a is a truth of the of the Duchess as the entity of death, as the guardian, as the caretaker of souls who have passed on at sea. If the Duchess is spoken to by the essence of something that killed someone at sea, that essence can bring that person back. Oh, wait. So if I killed someone at sea and then what I, I tell, uh, well, this is, and this is part of what I think is really compelling about it is like, if you kill someone at sea, you could then go to the Duchess and request that that person come back. You would have to find out where the Duchess, like you as, if you were a conscious person, if you were a murderer, you'd have to figure out where the fuck the Duchess is. And there's no guarantee that she's going to accept the terms of your bargain. But if you are the ocean, if you are a seahorse, if you are an octopus, Perhaps you would take pity. I love this. And the terrifying thing, you know this. Your demonologist has become aware of this truth of the world, and that. but you also know that this is the first and only time someone has ever appeared to the Duchess and genuinely asked, hey, can those people come back? The ocean could always have asked. The ocean simply chooses not to ask. And that, I feel like, is what's really, really gorgeous about what you're suggesting, because if this is the case, the natural order of things is for the ocean to say, no, a world of chaos is a cruel and unforgiving place at times, and I will not ask for them to return. The mm-hmm. wind says, I will not ask for them to return. The sky, all larger than us concepts, mm-hmm. essences, say that is not what this is. This is the first time a being that does not belong here says... Would you like me to defy the natural order for you? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to bring them back? Because I could. If I simply wished it, the philosopher could return your friends and ease your suffering. I love that. Is that what you're going for? That is the miracle. Yeah, it is. It is the question of like, would you like me to bring your friends back? Because if the Duchess is asked, the Duchess would likely yield. Simply no one has ever asked. Damn. Do you say yeah? I get before we move on. Do you say yes or no? No. No. Okay. I like that. I, I like that. I, That's good. I feel like this for this adventurer, for this demonologist, this experience. You said that this demon like soothed my trauma. Like yeah. took it like it gave me something. And I feel like this experience in this conversation is going to, by the course of the end of the game, heal the demonologist. And they'll be able to bring peace through their own peace to the philosopher. And I think that like part of that, part of that, the other half of that, that is genuinely the ending of the game for the record, just a goalpost that that is in fact the end of the game. Yeah. Um, But like to, but like from the philosopher standpoint, like you said, no, you were presented with the possibility of you were presented with an experiment and you opted not to do it. There is something powerful in that to a being that exists To a being that exists as change incarnate to see someone turn down that change is already a foreign concept and is already a concept that, you know, in the sort of negotiation that is, quote unquote, banishing a demon, there is that that, that mutual understanding of like, oh, I see. Yeah. No one. It's the scientist question of this is someone asking hey, we can do this, but no, we shouldn't. Right. This is someone saying like, no, that would be too far, philosopher. That is something we should not do. And for the philosopher, it's like, should. 
No, we simply ask, we simply explore, we simply change in order to uncover what's underneath, like what's beyond, what's more, more, you know, I have to keep asking and keep asking. And this is the first time that someone's ever proposed to them, like, that's too much. We shouldn't do that. Perhaps my pain is something that I must live with. Yeah. So what has changed in the environment in the time that we've had this conversation? As we come back, as we come back around and start the cycle, start the cycle anew. The cacophony of minor arcana screaming, begging. Some are on their knees in tears at the, in the awe of this. I feel like the conversation that the demonologist is having with the flame is taking that form of it's, it's very in my head. It's very abstract. It's a flickering flame. And then it's a series of photographs. It's a film strip showing me memories. It's a disembodied voice. To the others, it's taking a multitude of different forms. And they're screaming, they're begging, they're crying, they're in awe, they're dancing, they're happy. And then there is silence. Once my conversation is over, the cacophony, the group, the minor arcana are silent. Some have been turned to stone. Some have become trees. Some have turned to puddles of rainwater. But the philosopher simply was bored or did not find any joy in their questions, did not find them curious or interesting, Mm -hmm. and said, you are changed. You are unraveled. What if you were stone? Would, Would you be more interesting to me as stone? Yeah. And so there's this almost statue garden. There are three statues. Three of the arcana have become, one has become wood, one is marble, and one is glass. The other is a bucket of rainwater. And the fifth, what do you think? What's like a random, what's a fun thing? The fifth has become like a crop of corn. <laughs> like a small square of, cro- yeah, of corn. Yeah, like 17 corn stalks. And I feel like for future generations, when this bonfire has been doused and, you know, hundreds of years pass, these statues remain. And the, the story around them is like, they made a deal with the devil. They made a deal with a force do not do this. Do not become a minor arcana. Do not chase the dream of becoming a major. Do not, because it, it does not go your way. The statue garden and the field of corn and the ever-flowing bucket <laughs> are, are lessons to be had. Anyway, I had to say. And <laughs> um, the thing that change occurs around you as well. You are sitting on this like scratchy log, right? And like, or like uh, on, you know, you're on this log and suddenly it becomes spongy. It becomes cushioned it becomes a cushion on which you sit to make you comfortable because it wants this conversation to go much further like it oh, wants yes. it wants to continue this it it is it is sending you a clear signal of like would you stay longer and continue to talk if you were more comfortable poof now you've got a cushion so this reminds me a lot of the tale of uh Scheherazade, which a new story every night and it keeps them from being killed is that mm-hmm. something similar even if we're just referencing kind that? of a, kind of a similar vibe of like of like you have you have caught my attention let Got us it. continue to chat yeah you will not like because i feel like this is this has never happened before yeah where someone has piqued their interest enough to no not one, turn them into a marble statue no candidly no one they've all they've offered these arts of miracles before and no one has turned it down before <laughs> oh i love that and every time that someone has said yes They've become like a sponge, you Mm -hmm. know, something like that bores me. 
you know, and they they offer them. I love the idea of temptation too. I like the idea that I like the idea that they make the change happen, and it does not satisfy them, and so they it's in it's a wrathful like then I then then I banish you. Yeah, you you have failed to engage me. You fall down a pit forevermore. You fall down an infinite hole. You are Uh, given no camera to take snapshots with, Ozzy Smith. So the thing that I. Um, all right, so I'm going to give you a, a, a memory and, and spark a memory. I have drawn Ophelia's garland, allowed those who crowned you to change who you are, a weeping flower crown, a dubious honor, a sickly and desperate faith. I'm going to lean hard into what you've said already and say that, like, more people are changing around you. Go on. And the change is get, you know, you see, A, you see the patterns, right? Like, you can see that, like, every tree has the same number of leaves, Mm, everything's getting symmetrical the symmetry is the appearing. symmetry is filling the air and and like there are five you notice that like um a sixth person is changed and they change into a cloud of gnats that simply floats in like a small circle around this cornfield a halo of gnats around this cornfield simply so that there was an even number of people who were turned. Mm. You see all of this occurring. You see the symmetry and you see these changes and you got a cushion. This is a, this is an entity that is taking lives and, and hurting people and destroying people and killing people in this moment. And it has offered you nothing but kindness that is the sickly, that is the dubious honor. That is the the weeping flower crown. Yeah, at this point, what separates me from a greater arcana, you know, at this mm-hmm. point, that I've I've been been granted the favor and smiled upon by a being of destruction, chaos. And so, um, what memory does this bring to mind? This brings to mind when I was first a demonologist, and the first time I ever faced down something that I could not reason with. It was something where it was way out of my league. It would be something akin to the philosopher in terms of power, where I tried to reason and I tried to reason and I tried to, I I thought I figured out the mystery. I thought I had the solution to this puzzle. And I feel like that's how the demonologist sees things, is sort of like a a board of puzzles, missing pieces and things snapping together to create a complete picture. And if that picture is made, the demon is released into the ether. And I thought I had it. I thought I had this perfect kind of symmetry and it did not work. And in a desperate attempt, the demon offered me a bargain, offered me power. And the alternative was the demon said, I will give you this power or that island that you see out there across the sea will be no more. And I turned down the power and it obliterated an island. And it's something that is coming to me now where I almost feel like the person who said yes as I'm sitting atop like a Shea lounge Mm -hmm. uh, before this bonfire and this being of symmetry as I just watched six people essentially die What's to separate me from watching that island explode again? Like, what's what's different this time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you offer this memory? No. Oh, okay. No, I do not. Okay, well then I'm going to give you a new spark. Oathbound, a surrogate, a found family, the blood of the covenant, a precedent, a familial lie, the water of the womb. 
the philosopher like asks the question like like would you allow yourself to change if it meant the comfort and you say no and it pauses and the entire forest immediately around you catches icy fire you are not hurt no one is hurt but trees erupt in this sort of cold flame the three trees that are immediately around you the grass next to where you are sitting you know you are engulfed in flame and it says if you find yourself at the heart of a fire are we truly so are we truly any different what memory does this bring to mind as fire cascades around me yeah i think back to the whirlpool created by the typhoon as the demonologists fell into the water they felt it almost felt like an arm pulling their entire body down so hard and this force all around them. And I think in that moment, that was the choking feeling again of like, I failed to stop another demon. I didn't contain it. I didn't release it. I didn't do anything. I lose. I, I lost again. And that is what comes to mind here. Do you offer this memory? I do not. Okay. The demonologist stands up and says, I will offer you none of my memories. For if I were to, I would change. I would become something I am not. What you need to understand is that this world is wild. This world is full of agony and pain and wild variants. It is unpredictable. You cannot predict my actions. You cannot predict what the world will be. You cannot exert your force upon it. Many have tried. Many have failed before you. You are nothing more than a plague of locusts. Another random occurrence. Hurting people, we regrow, we rebuild, we adapt, we reshape, we reform. But because of entities like you, we learn, and we change, and we adapt, and we grow. You cannot, cannot control what this world is. You will look forever for some sort of symmetry. You will never find it. You will not find it in me. You will not exert your control over me by deleting who I am, by erasing who I am. You must accept this fact. You can look for meaning in statues, in typhoons, in violence, in rocks to gold, but you will never find what you are searching for. You will continue to ask your questions and see nothing. All we will do is live, and we will know the answers. You will know nothing until you let go of your control, until you say enough, until you say no, you will never understand. And if I have to become a statue to tell the world that, there will be another demonologist to stand at this fire and tell you the same thing. And all you will do is wander this beautiful planet of randomness, seeking your answers. And the demonologist steps away from the fire and walks. I think this fully breaks the game, but also turns out to be like this also turns out to be the thing that like the, the fiction that we have laid out. Because I felt like the game itself was created by the demon. Here's what here's what stands out to me is that like the thing that you said, there's two interesting things that occur. I think that you said the thing that the demon needed to hear to change to change itself in a fundamental way. Yeah. That I think is fascinating. In an instant, every remaining arcana that has uh, surrounded this person, that has surrounded this fire, is not even changed, is burned burned to ash in an instant. 
Damn. They are <laughs> erupted. The fire extinguishes. As you start, you feel just darkness surround you. You turn back and the fire is gone. The demon has heeded your words. You exerted... You, 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 you stated your case and the demon, which is an elemental being of change, acknowledged that you were correct. It was trying to find symmetry and find... It was trying to enact change on an already changing world and by offering something of yourself and by refusing and by refusing to further change the world this demonologist changed this demon fundamentally yeah and changed this demon fundamentally in a way that i think it vanished and i think the thing that we see this is a this is a big swing there is a constellation in the sky not a constellation exactly it is a there is a quasar in the sky or like a visible black hole or a, a an exploding star in the sky a star dies a star collapses you we see it and what that is is it is fundamentally different than all the other stars in the sky because we see those things in the sky they are tended to by the star tender this is another thing but it rests in that same field of constellations it is an explo- it is a black hole it is a quasar it is something it is the professor, as the professor has taken a place of admiring a world in change. As a being spun of, of the cosmic plane that ended up being spun of the same material that would make the material plane so perfect, it has taken its place in the stars. I love this. Can I, can I give you an image? Yes. As the demonologist walks away, the philosopher is deep in thought, and as they burn to ash and cinders... The fire is so intense that the demonologist turns back, and what they see is the ash and cinder swirl in a circle, encasing this tiny flicker of light, this tiny flame, and that tiny ball of ash and soot and crow, uh, corn ash and husk and gnat rockets into the sky. It basically has wrapped itself in space dust, in the fabric of the world that it's been unraveling and destroying and rearranging. It's almost like a fondness. It encases itself in it like a cocoon. Yeah. And from that cocoon isn't like in the cosmic star tender type way is literally just in space, like a star that's a little too close that watches fantasy for till the end of time. Yeah. And that is the philosopher stays in the night sky is Watched by the star tender, but not in the way of a constellation, is almost like a satellite watches the world from inside its cocoon of the world that it was so fond and obsessed with, that it wrapped itself in questions and fabric and beings and things, and it's almost a comforting thing, and it sits with its blanket wrapped around it in the stars looking down at the world. Yeah, that's sick. Whew. And that's game. That's a damn rap. What game are we playing, Jeff? Because Jesus. This is Let the Fire Soothe by Lyra Vega. It is a game about making a deal with a demon. It is a game about um, acknowledging and dealing with uh, painful memories and dealing with uh, traumas that we carry with us and, and, and practicing that. It is a very uh, beautiful game. It is, I know it is a very personal game to Lyra as a creator. Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing. This game is really special. You can find it at crtgirl.itch.io. 
Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes. This game is uh, breathtaking. It is amazing, and I love it a whole lot. Love that. Thank you so much to Deer for our prompts. Deer used our prompt submission channel on our Discord. Uh, it's the home of all my fancy children where you can hang out, talk about the show, ask lore questions, or just hang out with a lot of cool people. But if you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for our show so that we can make a two-hour-long episode about demons and demonologists, Jeff, what are all the ways you can have? You can tweet at us as long as Twitter still exists at AMFC <laughs> underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can um, email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com or you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC discord and post them in the prompt submission channel. Yeah, it's awesome. Come into the discord. Hang out with us. Jeff does a myriad of things. Jeff does so many things. Jeff, can you tell us about your other shows and projects that you're working on? Um, actually, I absolutely can. And in fact, what I can say is that, like, if you enjoyed listening to a playthrough of this game, if you enjoy uh, superheroes and superhero stories, you can go listen right now to Lyra and I play this game in a teenage superhero setting, uh, a teenage superhero and their uh, magical Zippo lighter going through the process of this game in a really beautiful and poignant way. Uh, you can find that on Party of One, which is an actual play podcast focused on two-player experiences. Uh, every week, I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every week at partyofonepodcast.com. Fuck yes. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the Moonshot Podcast Network. Ho ho! Wacky dacky doo! -doo. Let's, Let's go, go to, to the, the moon. moon! Yeah! Moonshot! The Moonshot Podcast Network is the home for far-out creators with far-out ideas. It's a place where cool kids come to hang out and make their silly, wacky ideas into podcasts, streams, games, all sorts of cool media. Jeff, do you have any thoughts on the Moonshot Network? Ho <laughs> oh. ho! Uh, there's some cool cat. There's some cool cats making some cool pods. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. What a, I don't know. Jokes aside, I like the Moonshot Network. Yeah. Let's go. No. They make yeah. a lot of shows that I like. Um, you can hear me on Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. We just finished a 14 episode Dragon Ball fan series entitled Dragon Ball Uber. Um, if you want, if you wonder what happens after the events of Dragon Ball Super and want to see like a proper Dragon Ball sequel series, what, if you ever wondered what happens when, uh, if you ever wanted to see Yajirobe fight off a bunch of demons in a diehard situation <laughs> while defending the, uh, the fortress that he lives in, it's a good podcast and I like it a lot. If you like me thought that TN gets a raw deal and you'd like to see a good TN story, come listen to my good TN story. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun, silly show, but there's actually, like, bomb improv on it. Like, everybody does a crazy good job of, like, really slaying out and also staying true to, like, the card of drag. It's 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 so awesome. I love how <laughs> stupid it is. We we went in some really, we went in some really, like, uh, stupid directions with some things, but we also just, like, it is myself, Riley Hopkins, and Chris Hutton, and all three of us, like, have loved Dragon Ball our entire lives, and so, like, there is a clear sense of, like, us talking about, like, this is what I like in this thing, and kind of, like, here's how we celebrate this this thing that we all love. It's awesome. I can't recommend Riley Hopkins and their amazing friend that title alone enough. Go check it out. Head to moonshotpods.com for more information about the Moonshot Network and check out all the cool shows they got going on. Shazam. Jeff, do you have a verbal hug this week? Do I have a verbal hug this week? Um, I do while you organize your thoughts. Um, 
I was recently having a conversation with my precious child, Simon, and we were talking about priority alignment in terms of getting your shit together and worrying about things as they come, stuff like that. You know, we talk about a lot on the show how I used to be like a stress beast and worrying about the show's progression and things. And what it's taught me is something that I like to kind of really work on is prioritizing. Worrying about things that are important and putting them in kind of like a, a shuffle game list of priority and the things that are you need to handle, you know, making your rent, paying your bills, paying for food, buying stuff, you know, participating in the hellscape known as capitalism so that you can make money, blah, 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 blah. A lot of other things like your creative endeavors and stuff like that, they're important and they're stressful. I want you to remember that that's the thing you enjoy. If you take anything away from this episode being long and being cool and being us talking about our own lore, it's that this is where we go to explore our creativity and take time to release and have fun and have this cathartic moment of pure, uninhibited creativity. We can say whatever we want. It becomes canon. And it's because Jeff and I know that that's what AMFC is for. It is not for going, God, I hope this is fucking beloved so that we can garner this listener base so that we can eat food and blah, 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 blah. That this, this show would have a much different energy. But what I'm saying is, my roundabout way of saying is, have things that you do because you love doing them, not because they are things that you need to survive. If they become that, that's fine. Reshuffle your priorities. That's why we use the word shuffle. If your podcast becomes how you put food on the table, make sure you still have a thing that's just for fun and fuckery and silliness and a release, even if it's taking a walk, even if it's taking a nap, even if it's watching your favorite anime or your comfort show or listening to music. Make sure that you keep things that are just for you to enjoy and have fun and have friends and don't become part of the stress cycle that has to do with living in the hell dimension. And that is something that I have learned over a long period of time is have certain things that you put on the shelf and you put away and that's for stress times. That's for when things are important and we need to make rent, we need to stress about, you know, can I afford to get a suit for this upcoming wedding, yada, 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 can I buy a new mic? There's time for that, do that, handle your shit, but have things where that drawer of comfort that you open when you need that sparkle of joy and escape. Keep that shit precious. Keep it in your shuffled priorities. It can't be at the front, unfortunately, because we all got to live. But keep it in there because it is very important to your health, your happiness and your life. Because life is way more than just making rent. It sometimes doesn't feel like it, but keep these things precious. Keep them alive. And uh, you, that's what I've been trying to do, focus on more, is have my fun things and they get energy too. You know, in addition to work and grind and audition and hustle and blah, 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 blah. I have my sacred things like my video game time and my podcast time. And that mm -hmm. is time that is sacred. Anywho, that's all I got. Um, I actually, as you were talking, I got reminded of a thing that, A, I want to shout out and B, like, inspires my, where my mat with a, for my verbal hug. Um, I recently listened to, uh, on the Moonshot Patreon, which, uh, you can find at moonshotpods.com. Um, I recently listened to the Moon Report, which is Riley Hopkins interviewing people on the Moonshot Network with my dear friend, Aaron Catano Saez. <laughs> um, and like you talked about a thing on that episode that like has stuck with me and was in my marine specifically as I was like watching Spider-Verse and like, as I've, as I've thought about a lot of this stuff, like. The thing that really stands out to me is give yourself space to discover art that makes you want to make art. 
if you are a person that makes art or just like give yourself space to be inspired and, and, and as you put it, Aaron, like be have your brain rewritten by like the things in the world. Yeah. You know, like like we were talking about the you talked about this on the episode of like going to see musical theater and like great musical theater has a way of like like showing you something that like is not out in the world is like is is incredible is beautiful. And like um, I was thinking about this, like with Spider-Verse, like it is a thing that like also like uh, people have been talking a lot about the show Game Changer, the dropout show. And like that Mm -hmm. show inspires me in a very specific way. And like. It is easy for us to get as people who make things. If you are a person who make things, it is easy to allow yourself to become consumed by the work, to allow yourself to be to only consume the work or consume things in service of the work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you you allow your brain space to be taken up by the work and you allow your 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 artistic consumption to be made up of things that you need to consume for the work. And like. It is such a recharging and refilling experience to accept and like acknowledge and find the things that you can sit and watch and go, I can't do this. This is this is not for anything. This is simply for my own joy and my own excitement. But this has given me like the fuel that I need to get up and make and like live and be excited and find the things that I care about and find the things that I'm passionate about because that is such a beautiful energy that I think stands out that like is so it's essential it is an essential thing and I hope that you find the time to do that in the near future I completely agree find the things that inspire you and keep them close and keep them something you can enjoy we said it a lot to not be envious of to just keep as something that warms you up that fires you ignites your shonen spirit and so you can fucking fight God and create something dope. Is that all we do on the show? Damn. That's all we do on the show. Woo. So, till next time, good, good night, night and good, good game. game. Jeff, what are we playing? What kind of game do you want to run for this thing? I have very little experience besides listening to you and everybody else run one of these. So, really? Okay, so what do I need to play that? Because I'm going to have to learn it really well if I'm going to run it. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting the adventure in...